0: And welcome to the Hockey Hotbed, presented, as always, by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have a really fun episode for you guys today, as we will be discussing the Ottawa Senators. Because, you know, there's a few teams going into this season that have been at the bottom of the standings for a little bit of a while now, but could be primed, in my opinion, for a breakout season. And I believe the Ottawa Senators could be one of those teams. So, to discuss the Sens, I'm bringing on an expert. I'm bringing on Shane Ryan of the Sends Hour podcast. Shane, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be on.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you. I know we had you on Tip of the Iceberg, which is my other podcast. But when I thought about talking about the Ottawa Senators, it didn't feel right doing it without you. So I, I'm happy that you decided to join me today, and I'm excited to talk to you.
1: Hey, I mean, I'm, I'm thankful that you thought of me when you were like, hey, let's talk about the Sens. I'm glad that I was... Uh the person you thought of to have on. Well, for the last couple of seasons,
0: you've been covering them for the Hockey Podcast Network. And last season in particular, it was not a hot start for the Ottawa Senators, going 2-12-1 to start. It looked like all the worst fears had been imagined once again in Ottawa. But then they turned it around to finish the season. They went 21-15-4, including 6-1-1 in the final eight games, which is just amazing if you think about it. How are they able to turn that around so drastically last season?
1: I mean, goaltending was a huge part of it. DeCord came in, and, and he kind of stabilized it. Forsberg played really well. And then, you know, Gafsasin came in when Forsberg and Harkberg and Murray went, and DeCord were all hurt, and he kind of just took the took control. He played well. He he became what a lot of Sens fans were hoping he would become when we got him from Pittsburgh mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. But overall, like, the, the young players – showed up. Like they, they started producing, they started playing, they started earning more of a role. And I think as much as people hate that, that start in the first 15 games, having the the veteran guys that a lot of people hated on the team during that probably very important. Cause I don't see a lot of rookies or young players, first, second, third year players being able to handle that adversity by themselves without some sort of veteran guidance uh, kind of telling them like, hey, this happens in the league. There, There's years, there's times where like you're going on a bad stretch and it's not a matter of like getting down on yourself. You have to think positive no matter how bad the outcome is. Mm-hmm.
0: And it seems like that young set of core players, it was a really good experience for them last season to be able to turn that around and show that, hey, you can do it in this league. You have the ability. You just need to put it together. And I think that was huge for them but it seems like the core that they're looking to build around, and correct me if I'm wrong, is Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Thomas Shabbat, and Josh Norris. That seems like the big core four from the outside at least. What do you see when you look at that core four? And is there somebody else that I'm missing?
1: I mean, the only other person would be Batherson. I mean, you signed him to a six-year, basically $4.95 million deal. He he's part of the core. He like he is your, your top line right winger. Uh, Norris is going to be your top line center. Stutzla is going to be and, and Kachuk are going to be your top two wingers, and Shabbat's going to build on the back end. I mean, that's probably your core five. And then you have surrounding pieces. You know, Pinto's going to move himself in there. You're probably going to see Sanderson actually join that core. It's probably so realistically a mm-hmm. core six if you include Sanderson when he's in the NHL. But you have a lot of like pieces around that core that can't be dismissed because they're just as important as the core five right now.
0: Yeah. As I try to try to fix this here, as I'm messing up on the StreamYard app, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I know Batherson, when he just signed his new contract, a lot of Ottawa fans were very excited that they got that deal done. And a lot of people around the league were, were looking for them to figure a deal out with Kachuk first, but they signed Batherson, still working on the Kachuk deal when you look at the negotiations right now, does it make you nervous at all that Kachuk has not signed heading into training camp?
1: No, not at all. Um, I mean, you look at who else is on that that agency. You have Darlene, mm-hmm. hasn't signed in Buffalo, and you, have a, and you have Robert Thomas, who hasn't signed in St. Louis. You also look in previous years with Mitch Marner, Braden Point. You know, these are guys, and even Barzell. Like, people forget that Barzell signed three days before the start of the season he signed january 9th Mm -hmm. season started on the 12th so like these the rfas especially these high-end rfas who are 21 22 have all the leverage i know teams people say oh the team has the leverage but hey the the rfa doesn't have to sign a contract if he doesn't want it like Mm -hmm. he can sit out he can play out like there is no rush for an RFA player to sign. So if you're an agent, you're using that to your advantage. You want the best deal for your player, like for your client, but you're also looking for the best deal for yourself because most agents get a percentage of whatever contract mm-hmm. they sign. So if you had a choice between having your player sign like an 8 million, eight-year deal versus you know a five million, five year deal, you're gonna take the eight times eight. Depending on the player, like a Kachuk, mm-hmm. for example, or Austin Matthews or Mitch Marner, who took those like high end short term deals. Well, when that contract's up, their agents are going to make even more money because they're going to be worth even more. So I'm not concerned. I think it's just, it's part of the game, it's part of the business. Uh, and when it, it's going to happen, it's just a matter of when. And Kachuk and Kachuk's camp doesn't need to make a decision soon. Like mm-hmm. they have all the time in the world, really. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to kind of shift focus a little bit to a different player in that core, and that's Tim Stutzla. He put together 12 goals, 29 points in 53 games, kind of a modest rookie season, but at the same time still did a lot of really good things. With him heading into a sophomore season and his first full season, in 82-game slate, what do you expect as far as for production from him? And And really, who is he going to be playing with? I know you said... Probably second line, left wing, or right, is he left or right wing? I'm not sure, but you said roughly second line. I mean, what do you expect as far as his production this year?
1: So, I mean, I think people forget with Stisla is that he would have been an 18-year-old rookie. You mm-hmm. know, he, if it wasn't for the late start, like, his was first game against Toronto was his birthday. It was his 19, like, so he's going into his 19-year-old, age 19 season. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of rookies. There's not been a lot of rookies that have been able to dominate or put up consistent, you know, 50 plus points that young, obviously, you know, Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, those guys though are, are generational talents. I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Stutzla he's going to put up, I, I personally, I think he's going to hit 50 points this year. I think if Ottawa wants to be competitive, Stutzla, you know, he put up 30 and 53 games, so he was actually on pace for almost a 50-point season. I think he would have ended up at like 44 points or so, something like that, in a full 82-game yeah. season. So he was getting there in his rookie year. I think you're you're going to see him play with most likely Pinto or even Colin White on that second line, and he's going to have his chances. I think 50 points minimum is where Stutzler falls in a sophomore year in a full 82-game season.
0: I mean, minimum, that would be probably the, the dream for Ottawa fans if he could go out there and put up that performance. And realistically, from what I saw, limited of what I watched with the Ottawa Senators, it, it seemed like he kind of got it right off the bat. He might not have been putting up, you know, Austin Matthews type rookie numbers, but it seemed like he understood how the game needed to be played at the NHL level. And I think that is the hugest, the biggest thing. It is not the fact that He's putting up these points. It's the fact that he understands the pace of play and the points will follow. Because like you mentioned, for an 18-year-old season, which technically, as you mentioned, it it was, to put up 30 points in in 53 games, over a half a point a game, is impressive.
1: Considering the the cast around Ottawa.
0: Yeah, that that as well. So I, I did mean to actually ask one more question about Brady Kachuk. So we'll bounce back to that really quickly before we move on with him. Do you feel like he is still underrated around the league? I mean, where would you rank him among league stars? Would you put him in that superstar tier or would you put him a little bit lower?
1: So in my opinion, I mean, this may piss off a lot of Suns fans who hear this. (laughs) No one on our roster right now is a superstar, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. like they have potential, obviously, but I don't see, you know, his career high, I think is like 45 points. I'm sorry, but you're not a superstar at 45 points. Yeah. Can he be a superstar? Can he be a 60, 70 point guy? Yes. He's entering his age 22 season. I think we, I think a lot of fans put pressure on these kids. You know, Mm -hmm. when I was 21, 22, you know, I was like most, most 21 and 22 year olds aren't playing professional sports, (laughs) you know? So I think it's a little bit, we, we put these unrealistic expectations on these kids. I don't think he's a superstar but he's definitely an up and coming player and a guy that if he can shoot better, cause he had a, he had like a 7.7 shooting percentage last year. If he can hit that to like a 10 to 12 per like percent this year, you're probably looking at 30 goals, 60 points. I wouldn't be surprised that like, if he can do that, hit that 70 point 60, 70 point range consistently like his brother. Yeah. He's a superstar, but until then he's a very good player but I think he's fairly rated depending on who you ask.
0: Yeah, that, that's a good point. I mean, he's always going to be compared right alongside his brother and they're they're going to have those comparisons throughout their entire career. But you mentioned the fact that he's only 22 years old and it's kind of crazy to think because he's been with the Sens for a couple seasons now and it's hard to really imagine how young some of these guys are. The league is trending in that direction where players are playing from a much younger age. We're not getting them starting at the age of 24 or at the age of 25. They're starting, like in Tim Stutzla's case, at 19. Or that's around where Brady Kachuk started as well when he first made to the, to the NHL. So seeing these guys from a young age and now in his age 22 season being technically considered a veteran of the game, a lot of that has to do with the way the NHL is changing. But you look at this season, there's people saying he might have the captaincy. This year, after he signs,
1: hundred percent. I've been on the the Kachuk captain train probably a year and a half now.
0: And, and do you I, think that happens as soon as he signs? Now,
1: I don't think so. I think they will. I don't think it's going to be. I think they go into to training camp without a captain. Um, I think they announce it at the end of cat like end of training camp, like they said they would, mm-hmm. uh, just to build hype for the first home game. Uh, I think if you kind of announce, you can announce it too early and the hype dies down a little bit. I, I think they do what Vancouver did when they uh, named uh, Bo Horvat the captain, mm-hmm. where they named him the captain literally right before the opening game. They announced their, their five you know captains, and he was one of them. Uh, and it led some people, including myself, to believe that whoever was going to wear the seat wouldn't have been part of the five captains. It, it, but I, I think they do that. I would not be surprised if Kachuk isn't named captain until the opening faceoff where he comes out of the ice with the C on his chest.
0: Well, that, that would be something to see, just not even announce it and just have it whenever he first goes out and announce it, basically over the PA speaker. That would be, I mean, honestly, in a league where a lot of the stuff is predetermined and by stuff, I mean, stories are are pre-thought out how they're going to come out with it and, and they're Leaked is the word I was looking for, thanks to Frank Saravalli most of the time. But in a league where a lot of that happens, if that actually goes through, as you say, just he skates out on the ice with the C for the first time, that's the first time anybody sees it, that would be, one, shocking, and two, that would be a great way to kick off the season for Ottawa. I think that would just heighten the excitement that much more.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know people are going to say, well, you know, jersey sales, right? If you announce that he's going to have the C... You're gonna have a bunch of people who are gonna buy Kachuk. Cause I know plenty of people who are waiting to see if Kachuk gets named Captain before mm-hmm. buying a jersey. You know, myself included. If I, you know, I've been one to say multiple times where I personally don't feel I don't like having players that a lot of everyone else has. I like having different players. But if I'm buying a Kachuk jersey, I want the mm-hmm. I want to know if he's gonna have the captain because it's gonna be weird having the new jersey without the letter on it. And you, if you put an A on the jersey, you, look, you can't really take it off and put the C on because then you have the glue usually from the A left over, and it just mm-hmm. looks bad.
0: Yeah, and especially, I mean, they're going to sell the jerseys anyway. I, I understand wanting to get it before the first game, but you're going to make those sales regardless.
1: Especially if you have you know, them ready to go so the minute the game starts, mm-hmm. you put them all out for sale, people are going to leave their seats to go buy a Kachuk jersey. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm not sure they want people to leave their seats, but they they will. They'll go and they'll buy the Kachuk jersey. If you put it on and say, oh, they're going on sale first intermission, that might be where you get them.
1: Yeah, 100. Like the minute you put them on sale, you're going. If you put them on sale during the game, uh, first intermission, people will go buy them. They, like mm-hmm. no, no question about it. So I'm glad you actually
0: brought up jerseys because I know you love the move back to the Sens two D logo. You were a big fan of it. You were raving about it and the THPN Slack chat. But where would you rank those jerseys? Are they top 10 in the NHL right now?
1: The three the three uniforms are 100 percent top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think they're up there with Calgary, the Calgary's three set is, in my opinion, one of the nicer ones. Um LA kinda, I don't like their their temper, like their their home and their way set, but their alternates are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely think they're top 10 jerseys, their entire jersey. Home away and alternate, top 10 easily.
0: And it's almost the simplicity of it. I mean, look at the picture to our right. Just the easy two black stripes and the 2D logo. I think it all just fits together so well. And honestly, the move made me more interested in Ottawa hockey. I I know that sounds weird to say, but seeing the jerseys like this, it made me more intrigued to watch it because I wanted to see how it looked on the ice. And then, of course, bringing in the exciting players that they have also helped as well.
1: It's actually kind of funny because it's not talked about a lot, but the the logo on this jersey is technically the wrong logo. Really? So when Ottawa first came into the league, the 2D logo was the same, but on the outside when it has like the arrows, Mm -hmm. it had Ottawa Senators on it. And then Mm. after their first season, they went to that logo. And because technically this jersey is supposed to be a reverse retro of their original jersey, technically... The logo is wrong. It's a huh. wrong logo based off the year they're claiming the jersey is reverse retro from.
0: I mean, regardless of whether or not it's wrong or right, it looks pretty. Oh, damn it's good. amazing.
1: I love it. I I think I'm gonna get that one before I get the black one if they're wearing them again this year.
0: Yeah, I, I've looked into those. I need to save a little bit of money. I can't be spending money on jerseys. There's a long list that I want.
1: Yeah, I told myself that like I have a lot of other things, a lot mm-hmm. of like podcast stuff to buy got a heat press machine to buy and stuff like that, that like jerseys are the last thing I'm going to buy. Like, I'm sure there's going to be one or two
0: that slips through the cracks though.
1: Oh, probably. Probably. <laughs> I mean, I've already bought, like I bought a couple because mm. like Winners had a bunch of the old sense stuff on sale. So I bought two jerseys for like 30 bucks and I'm like, got a practice jersey and a home jersey for 30 bucks. I'm not complaining.
0: Hey, you can't beat that at all. Nope. So we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're still going to be talking a little bit more about Ottawa Senators hockey with Shane Ryan of the Sens Hour. We'll be right back. Week one may be over, but the season's just getting started at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off week two, DraftKings is giving new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any Week 2 game to receive $200 in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, which it is now in Arizona, so check this out if you're in Arizona, DraftKings has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game during week two. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or, in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome back to the Hockey Hotbed, presented as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities. Once again, that is code THPN at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And if sports betting is not legal in the state or province that you are currently in, you can always do the Daily Fantasy for DraftKings. Again, promo code THBN. We are joined right now by Shane Ryan of the Sens Hour, talking a little bit about the Ottawa Senators, one of my dark horse picks for being a breakout team this season with such a young roster, such opportunity for the youngsters here. But I want to talk about somebody that's that's been around the block a time or two, and that's Matt Murray. Obviously, being from Pittsburgh, I know plenty about Matt Murray and his ups and downs, but he really did have a rough first season in Ottawa how long is his leash in that sense net? There's a couple of guys banging on the door behind him. I know the fact that Joey Dacord is gone helps a little bit, but there's still a couple of other guys that are behind him that could be overtaking him if he doesn't get his stuff together. So how
1: long is his leash? It's pretty long. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I think he needs to get rid of the all-white pads for one. I'm just going to straight up <laughs> say that. The all-white pads should not make a comeback. You know, he. I was looking actually at the success of Murray in Pittsburgh, and when he won the two cups, he had colorful pads. He had nice pads. He didn't have the all. He went to the all white one, and he he was trash. He just trash. So maybe don't bring. Like by the end of the season, he was actually using Decord's glove hand. Like he was mm-hmm. using his catcher, um, and he was starting to bring in a little bit of color. But I think Murray has to play really, really bad for him to lose the spot, mm-hmm. because you have Forsberg, and then. Cups Sim, I feel like Murray before he got hurt, before he had the, the season ending injury, when he came back from the first injury, he actually started playing well. He he had some confidence, he was stellar in that. You kind of saw, you know, what direction he was going, and then he got hurt. Um I I feel like he is gonna have a rebound year. This is the year where he shows everyone that, like, hey, those two cup years, they weren't flukes. Like, mm-hmm. this is the goalie that I am. I mean. For his sake, I hope so. But it's that easy? Just, just the colorful pads? I on, honestly, yes. <laughs> it's the whole idea of like, if you look good, you feel good, you play good. Goaltenders are the most superstitious players. Mm-hmm. Honestly, outside of pitchers, they're probably one of the more superstitious players in sports. You do the same routine, especially when you're hot. You do the same routine. You you do everything the same. Nothing changes. I feel like and we've seen it with other goaltenders. You change the pads year to year, and then you struggle, and you go back to the other ones and you have success. It's all it's all superstitious, it's all mental, but it's all about what makes you comfortable. And if colorful pads help him play better versus what the white pads have done, you know what it's whatever mind games you can to play with yourself to make yourself play better, mm-hmm. you gotta do it.
0: Yeah, it's I mean, hockey players alone are probably the most superstitious out of all the sports, but goaltenders, I mean, you got to have something wrong with you to stand in front of some of those pucks. That, yeah, that's for sure. So let's move it over to kind of the management side, because always you talk about the Senators, you talk about, I mean, you talk about Melnick, but I don't want to talk about Melnick. You talk about somebody like Pierre Dorian, who was signed to a multi-year extension with the team just recently. Generally, how have you felt about his handling of this Senators rebuild?
1: Oh, I, I have no issue with that. I think he's done a very good job. And I've talked about it on length on Twitter about how Ottawa, like Pierre Dorian saw the early 2000s retool that Ottawa went through when they traded away Fisher, Kelly, and and those kind of pieces. They brought in Gonchar and mm-hmm. they tried to be competitive versus actually trying to build around a core. And I, I was vocal back then saying that like, they should have traded away everyone. Spezza, Alfredson, Phillip, like they should have built the core around Carlson and, and Sabanajad and Leonard, but they decided to, to retool and Pierre Dorian came to a situation where he looked at the previous five, six years where Ottawa was in the playoffs, missed the playoffs in the playoffs missed the playoffs. Yeah. We went to the, the Easter conference finals and if we beat Pittsburgh in game seven, who knows what could have happened, but we then tanked in the 16, 17 season So he had a decision to make, either commit to these players who are reaching their 30s uh, long term and potentially put yourself in a situation where it doesn't change and you can't really move these players or build around Shabbat, build around Kachuk and kind of say, "Okay, we're going to do the rebuild that we should have done, you know, 10 years ago. And he hasn't done anything stupid like try rebuilding quickly like New York has done. He stayed to the plan he's put in Norris he's they've drafted really well. I think Pierre Doranno has done a very good job at sticking with the plan and not feeling like he has to do you know a move just to make a move
0: mm-hmm. so you feel like he's been rather patient with the senator's rebuild
1: Oh, 100 mm-hmm. percent but and I mean it's what year year five it's been five years since that sixteen seventeen. Holy crap, it's actually been that long. <laughs> Holy heck. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, it was extra fast. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it's it, it's entering the fifth year since that season. So he's technically, mm-hmm. technically entering year four of a rebuild. Mm-hmm. Year three, depending on how you actually look at the rebuild, if the 2019 season 2019-2020 was the first year or not. Either way, they've been patient. Melnick has been patient. He has agreed to the rebuild. And I mean, when you have owner support, that makes your job so much easier. Mm -hmm.
0: It makes it easier to be patient, definitely when you're not getting pressure from above. But shortly after that extension, Pierre Dorian was quoted saying, this is going to be the fun part. The rebuild is done. Do you believe that the rebuild is finished in Ottawa?
1: They're not going to be trading players away. And I mean, that's not true. They will be, but they're not going to be trading players away just to trade players away to bring in capital. Mm -hmm. like could they trade Tierney yes expiring deal depending on how Pinto plays and and those kind of guys like could he be moved a hundred percent especially where Ottawa is at the deadline and if Ottawa's if Ottawa's fighting for a spot they still might even move him because you know you're not going to hold on to an asset if you feel like he's not actually benefiting your team but he could benefit someone else but I think honestly like Heading into the like this offseason, you have Branstrom, you have Norris, you have uh Formington are all going to need new contracts. Uh this is the year where they start making moves. And since fans need to understand that as much as the things they do may frustrate us as fans, there's a reason why they're in the job they are. Mm-hmm. So that means th- they're going to go for a playoff
0: spot this year. They're going to attempt at a playoff spot this year. Do you think they have a shot at getting one? Yes. Yes.
1: I I look at it, and maybe maybe it's biased. I don't know. Like I, I know what people are going to get mad at me for, but I look at the Atlantic Division. Mm-hmm. Boston's lost Tuka Racks. They lost David Krejci. So there's a big hole down the middle. I know they have have Charlie Coyle, but is he a number two center? Probably not. So and and who knows what they're going to do in net for, for Boston. So even though they have the perfection line, they have Pasternak, Taylor Hall, Patrice Bergeron, and, and Brad Marchand, like, is that good enough to really push them to elite status? Who knows? We'll have to see what happens with their goaltending. And, and if they start getting injuries, can their depth, you know, can their depth make up for it? I look at Florida. Florida, this is the first time... Uh, since, the 90, since the 90s, that Florida made the playoffs back-to-back years. Um, yeah, they look good on paper. They have three top four picks or top five picks on their roster from one year. They look good. But can that translate to, to success? Possibly. Let's see how Bobrovsky and uh, Spencer Knight play. Mm-hmm. Toronto, I mean, it's Toronto. Is is, Mar- is a Mirazi campbell duo good enough to replace the depth that they've lost on that in the forward group? Uh, are they walking Mike Riley to free agency? That That's a completely different scenario. But Toronto, I, Toronto, Sinermans, Montreal, without Price, Weber. I know they brought in Savard, but none of the teams outside of Tampa give me any kind of issues as like, yes, these guys are definite playoff, like a definite playoff team. Mm-hmm. Playoff contender, yes, and they will fight for a playoff spot, but none of them outside of Tampa look at me as like, they don't shot like, they don't picture themselves on ice as an actual guaranteed playoff team. So those question marks are
0: enough for you to say, you know what, the Senators might, you know, the Senators have a chance here. That Senators can can sneak into the playoffs, or maybe even do you think the Senators can just get into the playoffs without even sneaking in? Do you think they can actually control their destiny this season?
1: They had a good record against their, uh, their division in 2019-20. Mm-hmm. I think they were at 500. They struggled the most against Florida. So yeah, I think... You know, they a lot of these guys look at Montreal, especially Montreal and Toronto. They won, they won against both of them mm-hmm. uh, last season. They won against them a lot. So yeah. you you look at those two teams, and this core is like, okay, we beat these guys. You know, especially Toronto, Uh we lost. They lost the the season series by one game. So you look at that, it's like, okay, we can play with these guys. Mm-hmm. And then you look at Montreal, who went to the conference like the Stanley Cup Finals, and they got handed their handed to them by by Tampa, but you look at it, it's like, Hey, we beat these guys. We won the season series against this guy, like these guys. So if you look at Florida, Boston, Tampa, the same light as Toronto, well, if you can play with Toronto, you can play with anyone in that division and you can beat anyone in that division. Mm -hmm. If teams sleep on Ottawa and underestimate Ottawa's ability, they will make you pay. They will be able to make you pay. So, I mean, Are they favorites? No, but do I think they can do it? 100%.
0: Yeah, the East itself is going to be pretty tough. The Metropolitan and the Atlantic Division. Like you said, there's some question marks on almost every team in the East except for Tampa. But at the same time, everybody else, you know, with those question marks, they're still pretty solid teams and it can go either way for a lot of teams. So, I mean, the Senators, they have a good shot, especially if they play the way they ended last season. That's huge. And it's funny that you mentioned that they always beat the Montreal Canadiens because it seemed like every time I had a major parlay on DraftKings and I was so close to it, the only team that would mess it up would be the Senators. And every single time, they were beating the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, eventually I caught on and I stopped betting against the Sens when they played the Habs.
1: But here's the thing. Ottawa, after the first 15 games, Ottawa was the third best team in the North Division. Mm -hmm. Like, Like, if Ottawa goes... Instead of like what, two, 12 and one, if they go like, you know, six, you know, uh, yeah, six, eight and one, mm-hmm. they're a playoff team. Like, a couple of those, if you move a couple of those losses over into the win column early in the season, Ottawa makes the playoffs. They squeeze in ahead of Montreal. So, I don't, a lot of that, basically, everyone but like Dad and Off and step on, from that team it's stuff on stuff on missed the entire year. So realistically, everyone besides Dadanoff mm-hmm. and DeCord are coming back to that team that finished the year. So I don't think it's unrealistic to look at this auto team and be like, you know, they made noise in the North and yes, the North had its own issues, but you know, is the Atlantic that much better than what we saw from the North division last year? Probably mm-hmm.
0: not. I mean, you can, Talk smack on the North, and I know I did my fair share last year, but they sent a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. So you can't argue with that fact.
1: No. But I think, I mean, Montreal was built for the playoffs. They weren't built for Mm -hmm. regular season hockey.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to let you go, but before we do, and we didn't even plan this, and I'm glad you have your Team Canada jersey behind you, because you're always a massive advocate of Team Canada. No matter what international tournament comes around, You're at the front lines on the hockey podcast network, usually against Neil. Yes, true. But you're on the front lines for Team Canada. And with the NHL players returning to the Olympics in 2022 and Team Canada, once again, seemingly the clear favorites, how confident are you in their chances for a gold medal?
1: Oh, easily. 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 You're looking at a team that's going to have Crosby, McKinnon, and McDavid on it. Three of the (laughs) top five, three of the top 10 best players in the league. Mm-hmm. You add in guys like Stamkos, Mark Stone, uh, oh, God, you know. Braden Point. Brighton Point. There's so many players that, like, it's even hard to name who will be on that roster. Like, you have Marchand, uh, Marner, even though that, that guy, you know, people will argue, should he be on, shouldn't he be on. You look at the back end with, like, Theodore, Peter Angelo, uh, Nurse, Riley. Like, there's so many options to to put a team together that – they could probably send two or three teams, and come away with all three medals if they sent three teams. <laughs> like I'm not even trying to like. I know I know you laugh, but if they like you really like look at look at Vegas, most of their team was Canadian. You know, mm-hmm. if you actually go through the Canadians in the NHL, you could probably put together, you know, eighteen lines eight, mm-hmm. or uh 16 forward lines and nine defense or six or yeah you could probably put it put together this like three full teams and be like huh i'm confident in how many like these teams winning a gold medal mm-hmm. um uh, russia going to be russia or, or olympic athletes from russia as they're <laughs> going to be called yeah uh, they're going to be in there you know sweden's still going to be competitive but I just, I honestly, I'm not even expecting the U.S. to make the medal round. <laughs> really? Yeah. And it's not because I don't think the U.S. has the quality players. Mm-hmm. It's just, you guys choke every year. And <laughs> every men like, and I mean, World Juniors, yeah, okay, you guys won. Like, congrats. But in every men's tournament, you guys just, you guys just don't show up. We saw it in the World <laughs> Cup. We saw it at the World Championships this year. Like, Canada came back from down like what oh they started the like the playoff the tournament 0-3 oh, and came back to win the gold medal. Mm-hmm. Like that doesn't show the depth of Canadian hockey. I really don't know what does. But I'm excited for if like I feel bad for uh, for uh China though. Being in mm-hmm. a pool with Canada, US and Germany. I feel bad for them.
0: Yeah, the best shot they have is with Germany and even then Leon Draisaitl might put together a Novechkin hat trick.
1: Yeah, and then you put him in with, like, Timmy Stutzla and a oh. couple of the other high... Ina- like, hey, Germany won the, the silver in 2018? That they did. There are, no, there are no slouches over there.
0: No, not not by a long shot. So It, it is going to be a fun tournament. I'm excited to see NHL players back, because you mentioned the World Cup. That's the last time we saw a lot of these guys really truly play in very high-stakes international competition. And even then, we had Team North America where we split up the best young talent in the United States and Canada.
1: Yeah. So I mean, my, my personal feelings about uh, NHL players going to the Olympics is don't send them. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm totally on board of not sending them to the Olympics, but that's the bitter. That's still me bitter about 2006 with Hassock mm-hmm. So that that's my reasoning behind it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I feel like most Islanders fans also feel my pain, and Detroit well, fans, yeah, Tavares and, uh, and Zetterberg. So. Oh,
0: Zetterberg! Sorry, I'm thinking the wrong person.
1: Yeah, like, 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 honestly, imagine the uproar if McDavid goes out for it, like destroys his shoulder and misses Ooh. the rest of the season, or Austin Matthews. Like, that, that's my argument. It's like if one of these big name players is out for the rest of the season because of this tournament, mm-hmm. people are not going to be happy.
0: Yeah, that, that is the risk you take. I think it's going to be fun regardless, but you do, you do hope that nobody gets injured because the timing of when that is too, right before the stretch run of the season, it would be devastating for one of those teams to lose one of those stars. Oh, 100%. Well, Shane, thank you so much for joining me, talking a little bit about Olympic hockey, but mostly about the Ottawa Senators. Do you have anything that you want to promote here? Let our listeners know where they can find you on social media and what's coming up on the Sens Hour.
1: Yeah, so you guys can follow me, uh, sends underscore hour on Twitter and uh, Instagram. You can also follow along uh, Shane underscore RY13 uh, on Twitter and also check out the uh, 13th Man podcast network. I have, uh, I'm also working on a couple of other projects, uh, overall sports, so you can head on over to 13th Man sports and 13th Man uh, network on Twitter and Instagram to check all that out.
0: Well, shane one last time thank you very much for joining me here on the hockey hotbed i'm excited to have you back on later in the season and who knows maybe at that point everything that you've predicted will come to pass the the brady kachuk captain c when he walks out on the ice and and maybe matt murray gets his groove back with some colorful pads and the Sens shoot up the atlantic division standings
1: hey i mean i would i would love it but i'm, gonna, I'm cautiously optimistic but thank you for having me on it was a pleasure being here and hopefully Uh, We could talk against uh, later in the season and Ottawa is up fighting for a playoff spot.